you have the word of the Lord with you today, if you would turn to uh, Ephesians chapter 2. Got a lot of notes here. and One of these days I'll try to get a... Uh, Try to get a, uh, a uh, program that I can convert it over to a piece of paper and I can condense it a lot more, <laughs> whatever. But Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to read verses 19 through 22. Again, 19 through 22 is a sentence. And when we look at a sentence, the writer is trying to bring out something particular in that sentence that he wants us to take note of and putting something together. So he says, Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Now, chapter 2 has really been a, a I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a good chapter. I mean, don't get me wrong, but we, we, we look at these things and, we, and we, you know, we start out in here and we look at it, it says, and you hath he given life to who are dead in trespasses and sin. And he talks about how we were, but then we look that, that how he loved us even when we were dead in sins. You know, and we see that for by grace are we saved through faith, not out of ourselves. We're his workmanship. And then he tells us to remember, you know, that in times past, Gentiles in the flesh and what we were, where we are, where we were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise. Now in verse 13, it says, but now, but I love that word, but, but now in Christ Jesus. You who sometimes were far off or made nigh by the blood of Christ. And he goes through these statements. You know, he's reconciled both unto God and one body by the cross, having slain men the enmity thereby. And we get to the end of this chapter. And we have to remember, somebody decided that this is where we were going to end chapter 2 and go to chapter 3. But we need to, I want to keep reminding us, but that this was one letter that had been written by Paul. And as he was going through these things, and we can see it. But as they separate these sentences together, we can see he's trying to bring out something here. And Paul is getting to the end of this, and he says, now therefore. I think that's really, I, I like the way he puts it. Now therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints, and of the household of God. I think this is very important for a child of God because it's bringing us into that family in which we belong with one another. So when we look at verse 19, there are three kinds of persons mentioned here, aren't there? There's strangers, there's foreigners, and there's fellow citizens. Now, a stranger is a person whom someone does not know or is not familiar with. That's a stranger. That's why it's nice to get to know this Joseph Weil, because he was a stranger. It was someone that I did not know and I'm not really familiar with. 
but I'm hoping to get more familiar with him, and I know just for a little bit what he stands for and what he believes in. But that is that is a stranger. So, but when we look at it, he says, now therefore ye are what? No more strangers. You're no more strangers. So it's someone that you are now familiar with. That's what's so awesome. A foreigner is a person born in or coming from a country other than one owns. So we know, we can see why when he says, um, but now in Christ Jesus, you who somewhere were far off are now made nigh by the blood of Christ. You're not a stranger. You're not a foreigner to what's going on in here. So that means if you're not a stranger and you're not a foreigner, then what are we? We're fellow citizens. We're fellow citizens. And it's not so much just a fellow citizens. We are what? We are brothers and sisters in Christ. We have a bond and a union that the world out here doesn't understand and can't know. They can't know what it is that we have one with another. It doesn't make any difference if we're here or if we're at Grace Chapel or down by Brother Jimmy or Brother Herb or Brother Ray Hoggard or anything. You know what? We're part of a family. So that doesn't make us a stranger at all. Now, you might be going to a church where you've never been before, but you're not a stranger and you're not a foreigner because you're a fellow citizen. So what is a citizen? I had to write this down, brother. (laughs) A citizen is an inhabitant of a particular town or city, country, a native person who owes his allegiance to a government and is entitled to protection from it. Now I look at that, brother, and I see a native person who owns allegiance, owes allegiance to a government. We're a fellow citizen with the family of God. We owe our allegiance to who? Jesus Christ. We owe our allegiance to Jesus Christ. And because of that, we are entitled. Look at this. Isn't it awesome when we look at it? We are entitled to protection from that. We're entitled to protection from Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has said, what? I'm going to never leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. That means, yes, praise God. He, he's protecting us. He loved us. He loved us when we were yet dead in our trespasses and sins. He's going to take care of you. He was taking care of you during these times when we didn't know it, Gary, that he was there. These blessings and how he's watching over us, protecting us, protecting us. Just look in the Old Testament and see Job. Look at some of these things in there. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Daniel. We look at all these things. You know, Job, you know, God just really took care of him. Watched over him. You know, even when we talk about working behind the scenes, you know, we got to realize that when Satan was afflicting him with all these things, God was there and making sure that, okay, Satan, you can't go any farther than what I told you you could. And I'm working here behind it. I'm making sure you're not going to go beyond what I said you could do. He was protecting Job, protecting all of these. So we are what? We are no longer, now therefore, 
you are no more strangers and foreigners. If we're not strangers and foreigners, there's my favorite word, but. We're not strangers and foreigners, and he's going to tell us who we are, but we're fellow citizens. Fellow citizens with the saints. And they're the household of God. We look at these things. The Jews called Gentiles strangers. They were strangers. This is the way it was. Bear with me. All foreigners were regarded as strangers. And only Jews were supposed to have near access to God. That was not for everybody. You know, we now today, we have access to God. We have access to that throne of mercy that we can find grace to help in time of need. Back then, we didn't have that. It was, it was exclusive, exclusive to the Jews only. That's what we got to understand. How, how good it is for us today to have all these things. Because back then, some of these, they didn't have that. They didn't have that. But now, says Paul, this distinction is taken away. And the believing Gentiles, as well as the Jews, have the right of citizenship. Isn't that amazing? The citizenship and the benefits and the rights and privileges that can come with being a member of the family of God. We got to realize that we have, we now have benefits. Not have benefits, we have benefits, we have rights, we have privileges that we didn't have before. Because Paul says, now therefore, you're fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. I, I was looking right down so many things. The Gentiles were no longer strangers to God. Now that's not saying that God didn't know them. God didn't know them. But they were still strangers. But they're, but they're, they're no longer strangers to God. When we look at this thing, we look at the benefits, as we were just talking, the benefits, rights, and privileges. We're no longer strangers to the grace of God. This is a benefit. Now they have the grace. They have the love of God and communion with Him. Isn't, do you realize that we have such a communion with Jesus or with God? We have a communion with Jesus Christ. And it's just when we do these, and not only with God, but Christ and the Holy Spirit. All three persons of the Trinity. You know, we're no longer strangers to these. When it says in Ephesians chapter 6, when it talks about that praying with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. They now can partake of that and the Spirit. You know, and, and when we look at these things, we have to fully comprehend how much this realizes, how much, how much it realized those people back then. But I think, Brother Lira, I think sometimes we, we take for granted these things because it's, it just kind of comes along with it. But it's, it's, it's important for us to not take these things for granted. You know, it's like they, they, the people that they're talking about now, well, you know, they could take the Bible away from us. Well, they, they, they can take the written word out of our hearts or away from us, right? 
but they can't take the love of God out of our hearts. See, that's what we got to fully understand. They can, they can do things to us, but they can, they can never take that away from us. And that's what we got to fully understand is, could they take our lives? Yeah, they could. But we have to realize that God is going to be there with us and we might die at that time, but then we're going to go to be with the Father. It's gain for us to be with him, to just understand these things. The church here below, the city of God, which Christ is the foundation. You know, Christ is the foundation. We're going to get to that in just a little bit, a second, a second here. But Christ is the foundation of this building here. Now, you got to understand, I'm not talking about this building. you got to understand, Christ is the foundation of the congregation. And that's who we are supposed to build our hope and our faith and our trust upon, is Jesus Christ. I know when you make a building... When they built this building, they had to lay down a good foundation, didn't they? And when we built Mount Zion, when we, when we constituted in a church, it was built upon the foundation of Jesus Christ, not upon Brother Roger, Brother Leroy, or the other founding members of this church. It's built upon Jesus Christ. You know, we are able to enjoy as we were talking about the various privileges associated with being a part of God's family. You know, and we can look in there and, and see in verse 1, I mean in chapter 1 when it says, He's predestinated us to the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. We have a part of him. You know, we look at the privileges. To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein what? He hath made us accepted in the Beloved, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. These are rights, these are privileges that we have gained through Him, through Jesus Christ, or for what He accomplished upon the cross. When we look at these things, you know, I when I look at it, one of my one of my Verses I really like is in chapter 1, verse 18, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. That ye may know, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us relieve according to the working of his mighty power. I could, I could continue to go on. I, I could read the, just this whole, this whole book of Ephesians and it would just be so good unto us. You know, it's, it's when we just look at these things and we realize in here that we're fellow citizens and of the household of God. And I look upon it. You know, believing Gentiles are now on what? On equal footing of grace and privilege with the believing Jews. You know, there was no, when it talks about earlier, he broke down that middle wall of partition between us. 
you know, and we look at this thing here, and then we realize that when Jesus was crucified upon the cross, and he said, it is finished, what he set forth to accomplish upon the cross, now, what did it say? The veil was rent from top to bottom. Showing that access to the holies of holies was now available to us. That no longer did the priest have to go in every year with blood to atone for the sins of the people. That was done away once and forever with Jesus Christ. Isn't that wonderful? We don't have to sacrifice animals anymore because Jesus Christ gave himself for us. Wow. The church of God consists of believers of the same family. God is our father, isn't he? He's the father. You know, the Bible tells us, call no man father on earth because God is our father, isn't he? He is our father. And when we look at it, he regards us as what? Children, doesn't he? We're regarded as, as his children. And God, as our father, he takes care of us. We got to understand this. He takes care of us. You know, let's let's try to just think about it the other way. You know, what if we didn't have this? What if God wasn't our father? What if we look at it and we're st- and we would still be strangers and foreigners and not fellow citizens, not of his family, not of the church of God? not having any access to it. How would our lives be when we realize, you know, when it talks about if Christ is not risen from the dead, we look at it this way, some of the words are there, we have no hope. We have no hope at all. Because we would still be strangers and foreigners. But Paul writes in verse 19, we are not strangers and foreigners. When we look at this, do do we realize how big this is for us? That we're fellow citizens. We have, like I said, rights and access to all these things. You know, it's, it's amazing. You know, it's, it's not by, it's not by birth, is it? We're not, we're not into this family by birth. We're not into the family by merit because we don't, we don't merit. We don't merit this. But by what? Adopting grace. Adopting grace. But by the grace of God, we're able to be a part of this family. You know, we're not guests. We're not occasional visitors, are we? You know, we're we're not any of these things. But permanent dwellers in the house, aren't we? We're permanent dwellers in the house and members of the family. That's what makes it so good, doesn't it? We're We're not any of these things. You know, we just don't come here to occasionally just visit just to kind of catch up on things, do we? We're, we're not that anymore. Uh, we're, we're not occasional visitors. We're not guests. 
This is, this is where we belong in the house of God. And there's so many people that are out in the world today that are going about blind, not realizing what it, what it truly is. There's a lot of preachers around. There's a lot of preachers just in, in Crown Point are not preaching things like this. They're wanting to make you feel good about yourselves. I do not want to come to the house of God to be entertained. I come to the house of God to hear the word of the Lord preached unto me and expounded unto me. So many people, they're just out there. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't raise our hands and say praise the Lord or anything like that. But when we see some of these people, you know, swinging and swaying to the beat of the music and everything, is it the grace of God that's in their hearts or is it emotion? Is it emotion when they do these things? You know, when we look at this, turn, well, you don't have to really turn if you're in Ephesians. Look at chapter 3. I want to read 14 through 19. Paul writes, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. So we see in what? In 14 and 15, he bows our, he bow his, on my knees. We should be bowing our knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. He's our heavenly Father. You know, and we talk about, we talk and we looked at some of the benefits of being a part of that family. You know, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. Look at this, grant you. Grant you unto the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Strengthened with might by what? By his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. What a privilege that is. That Jesus Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That we have that faith to believe in him. That Paul says in another place, you know, that, that Christ lives within him. And if he's living within him, he's living within us. That you being rooted and grounded in love. Rooted and grounded in love. You know, Brother Leroy was just talking about that in First John, about love, about that love. That love that he's given unto us. It's that love 
that we looked at in Ephesians chapter 2. That love that he loved, the great love that he loved us with. We only love him. Remember Brother Leroy said, we only love him. Why? Because he loved us. He loved us first. When did he love us first? Before the foundation of the world. He loved you that you chose you in him. That we should be holy and without blame before him in love. You know, so we look at these things. That, you know, and that we could be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height. What is the breadth and length and depth and height? What it really trying to say is, you know, there's no, nobody can limit the love of God. Nobody can strain the love of God. You know, when we look at it, the length, the breadth, the height, the depth, you know, the love of God knows no bounds. When I look at that and think that, you know, when I look back on my life, Gary, and say that, you know, when I was yet dead in my trespass and sins, you know, I, I was not a, a good kid. I did some bad things, you know. And I looked at that and say, you know, and I look back on that and what things I went through, Brother Roger, in my life, and you know, Brother Leroy knows, we all know, we didn't, we, 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 do, we weren't perfect children, okay? We did things. But that he loved us so much that he was watching over us. When we were dead in our trespass, he loved us. I was, I don't think I was a person that, that could be loved by Jesus Christ, but he did. And he was loving me and watching over me because of why my name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life. So when we look at these things and we can see that love of God and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, goes beyond all understanding. We can't, we cannot comprehend. You know, when he says, my ways are higher than your ways, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. It's hard for a finite person like us to understand fully and totally the infinite God. We can never know it. We can never know it. But he says, Paul says, and we can know the love of Christ with passeth knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. What a blessing to be filled with all the fullness of God. It's just, I, I, I really love Brother Leroy in, in, in going through 1 John. But when I keep looking at this and I see the, the depth of God and of Jesus Christ in this book of Ephesians. When we look at these, when we look at this book of Ephesians and we, we see, you've heard me say before, one of the things I love about the King James Version of the Bible is it's so descriptive. It's, it's really descriptive. When we look at this, you know, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory and strengthened with might, Christ dwelling in your hearts by faith. You know, the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height of, God, of Jesus Christ. And it's passing knowledge and all these things. You know, I, I really want to go to, to verse 20. I know Brother Leroy likes it. He knows what I'm going to say. Now unto him 
now to him that is able to do, exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church, by Christ Jesus, throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Now unto him that is able to do, exceeding abundantly for us. All that we could, what does it say? What we could even ask for and think about. He's, he'll, he'll do it for us. That's how much he loves us. That's, that's how, how much it means to be a fellow citizen with the saints and of the household of God. Wow. When we look at these things, when we look at verse 20, I might just go through this and might save the rest of it for next week. Um, and of the household of God, in verse 20, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. When I read this, it just kind of blows my mind, brotherly. It's just like, it's just like, so we are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. But the apostles and prophets have built that upon Jesus Christ. So I'm going I'm to get to some verses here. Jesus Christ is the cornerstone and the foundation. You know, Song, song 214 in our book, in our, yeah. <laughs> Song 214. <clears throat> the church's one foundation is Jesus Christ our Lord. When we look at that, the church's one foundation, one, is Jesus Christ her Lord. That's when we just look at this, you know, it's just it's just amazing when we think about this and we look about this and you look at it and you read this and you can see uh, the sweet communion, you know, and just look at things and we look at this and how awesome it is to see that it's the only one foundation there is. Turn to Isaiah. I'm gonna I'm gonna go back into the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter twenty-eight, <clears throat> verse sixteen. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God: Behold. I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believeth shall not make haste. So even in the Old Testament, it foretold about this, didn't it? That God, the Lord God said, Behold, he wants us to take notice. Understand, he wants you to take notice. But what is the next word after behold? I. 
I. I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone, not just a, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone. This is what I talk about that the King James is so descriptive. A precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. A sure foundation when we look at these things. You know, throughout Scripture, when we look at it, what? The church is compared to a building in so many places in there. And, you know, if you're a builder, if you build things, you know, no matter what you are building, what? You got to have a sure foundation. I don't care if it's a church building, a house, or if you're building a shed in your backyard. If you don't build it on something firm and a good foundation, it's going to what, Bill? It's going to, it's going to sink or whatever. And it's going to this because what? You're building it upon the ground. And we know that Jesus says, you know, I'm going to tell you who you were like if you hear the sayings of mine and don't do them. You're like a man who built his house upon the sand or upon the ground. And the stream built a bed vehemently and whatever, gone and on. And it, 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 it collapsed. It failed. You know, but if you do his things and listen to him, you're like a man that built his house on a good foundation, upon the rock. And we're building our church upon the rock, and that rock is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. But it's not only the church. It's our families, our families. If we're a, if we're a, a, a Christian professing family, our family should be built upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. The sad thing in this world today is there are not two parent families. That's what's wrong. I don't mean to get, that's what's wrong like up in the city of Chicago with all these shootings and everything. And we know in which neighborhoods it's happening. Because why? Because there's not a two parent family. And this isn't just something that happened overnight. We can go back to a lot of years and see where this started way back with one certain president that brought in the uh, welfare system. And after that, the two-person family started going away. You know, when I, when I, I see this and look at that, that he is. Turn, we're going we're gonna to go through some. Turn to 1 Corinthians. Chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11. I might read some more verses here. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. The Bible is very specific about this. Now look what it says. Now if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, or show it up for what it is. 
For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try or test every man's work of what sort it is. So I, I could go on and read, but I'm just going to go. I'm, I'm just going to stop there because it brings out it. We got to watch out how we build upon that foundation too. Because if we don't build right on that foundation, it's still not going to do us any good. You can have a good foundation, but if you don't use good lumber or the right lumber or the right things to build upon that, it's still not good. It's still not good. So we need to look at all of these things. It's amazing when when we look at these things. So... It's, yes. And what I want to look at is, I'm not going to get into it, but let's just read. We talk about this good foundation. Look at what it says in verse 21 and 22. Let's go over that real quickly here in Ephesians 2. In whom all the building fitly framed together groweth in a holy temple in the Lord. So the building is what? It's been fitly framed together. And when it's fitly framed together, what did it It grows it grows unto an holy temple in the Lord. And look at what it says. In whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. How awesome it is when we look at it. Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. You know, and I was looking at this and using some of the tools that Brother Leroy has given me. And you start looking at these. You don't maybe see it maybe as much as you did. But back in olden days, you go look some of these buildings up here. They had that cornerstone inside there. And a lot of it, that was, they would put things inside there about life and different things and everything. But Jesus Christ is that, that cornerstone that keeps the building level. And that's, Jesus Christ is what keeps our congregation level. Because I think, I believe that we have done that. Turn to, to Mark. Mark chapter 12. <clears throat> Mark chapter 12, verse 10. And have ye not read the scripture, the stone which the builders rejected is become the head of the corner. We have to realize that. The stone which the Jews and a lot of people rejected was Jesus Christ, that stone. He was rejected, but he has become, he has become the chief and the head of the corner. It's when we look at these things. Look at, look at Luke chapter 20. It's, it's pretty much the same thing, but I want to read it there also. To just show you, this is something we need to look at. Chapter 20, verse 17. And he beheld them and said, What is this then that is written? The stone which the builders rejected, the same is become the head of the corner. 
you know, they were talking about, and he was, he was, Jesus was talking about, and he spoke a parable unto the people. And had how they had a vineyard, and he sent his servants to go get their, his due, I guess, reward or his pay from the vineyard and whatever. And they, they killed some, you know, they treated some shamefully. And finally he says, you know what? I'm going to send my son. And I'll reverence my son. And when these people, these husbandmen that had it said, come, let us kill the son and we'll get the inheritance. And that's what they thought they were doing back then when they killed Jesus Christ. You know, when they, when they crucified Jesus Christ, they thought they had, they had gotten rid of him. It was done, man. Oh, we got this guy out of our hair now. But boy, he became the chief. He was the chief cornerstone. When we look at these things, it's amazing when we go. When it talks about the foundation of the apostles and prophets. The apostles and prophets were at that time. And look at verse, we're going to close with this, in chapter 3 and verse 5. Let's go to 3 and go 5. How that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote a four in few words, whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and in the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. And I can I can continue to read on again, Brother Leroy, to prove this, but I'm just belaboring the point that the Gentiles, we should be what? Fellow heirs. Remember I was saying we're, we're not strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens. We are fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. The rights and the privileges and the things that we can do because we are part of his family. I'm going to stop there. I thank you for your kind attention this morning. Does anybody have a song in closing?